Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. I'm so excited to have today's guest on. She is a mom of three and a child therapist and founder of Nurtured First, which boasts over a million followers on Instagram and talks about a lot of things that you might be going through with your kids or as a parent that is just refreshing and educated and so great. You've probably seen her post before, but I'm excited to have the person behind it on the show. We actually used to live in Guelph together and we ran into each other outside the market years ago. We have been connected online for a very long time, but now she has a new podcast and we are getting together today to do a little podcast swap. So I was just on hers and now she is guesting on mine. So please welcome Jess from Nurtured First Parenting. Jess, I'm so glad to have you on this show. I just said that we have known each other on the online space. We actually used to live in the same town and you have like a really unique job and it's a really unique guest opportunity for us because you are a child therapist, but also a mom. Talk to me a little bit about Nurtured First, how you started to come onto the online space with some of your knowledge, but also as you grew into the experience of motherhood as well and sort of how you've bridged that gap with also social media. It's it's incredible to see. And clearly you've connected with so many people, 1.3 million followers on Instagram. I think a lot of people were in need of content like yours. And I'd love to hear how you got going on it. I got started with blogging and talking on the online space. I think it was probably six and a half years ago now. Uh, so similar timing to you. Uh, you definitely were before me, but I had my first daughter and I was a therapist at the time. I actually worked in Guelph as a therapist and I got pregnant and everything was going pretty well. I had pretty bad morning sickness, but otherwise things were going pretty well. And then all of a sudden around 22 weeks, I went into preterm labor and I was like definitely not expecting that. And that experience, I was in the hospital and I remember just feeling so terrified. And that was kind of like my first experience with parenthood. Mm. Uh, Pregnancy had been difficult, but going into the hospital and not knowing like, is my baby okay? Am I going to be okay? Uh, I didn't really know what was going on. And Scott and I were, that was kind of the start of a really difficult parenting journey for us. Then I ended up being on bed rest actually for four months, which was a really long time. And I know bed rest is like part of, or rest was part of your story too. Uh, so I, I had pelvic rest. I just wasn't allowed to rest. do much. Yeah. I was still allowed to be out of my bed. So, but even that was like mentally challenging. So bed rest feels like it, that must be really challenging. Yeah. I basically, I joke, but I basically became just like morphed into my couch and I spent yeah. so long just yeah on the couch 
looking at Instagram, reading people's blogs, looking at YouTube videos of moms. And that was kind of my first like real taste of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Like I Mm. basically was trying to learn how to be a mom while I was on bed rest just by Mm -hmm. watching people's YouTubes, looking at people's Instagram, stuff like that. And I mean, those were like very early days of Instagram, six and a half, seven years ago now. And then I had my baby and I thought to myself like, okay, things will be better. Like I'm going to have this baby I'm going to feel better. This is the ending that we've been waiting for. But after I had her, I went into this really difficult journey of postpartum anxiety. Mm-hmm. And as, as a therapist, I was really surprised. I mean, my whole career was literally working with moms, working with parents, working with kids. And I felt just really unprepared for kind of the heaviness and the weight that the anxiety was going to come, was going to have in my life. And I remember walking around Guelph so many days, just feeling like I'm alone. Nobody else feels this way. I'm a terrible mom. What kind of mom can't sleep because they're so anxious about their kid? What what kind of mom has these really dark and depressing thoughts about being a mom and being a parent? And so those days were, were really difficult. And I remember one day my husband looked at me and he basically said, you don't seem like yourself anymore. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I don't feel like myself. And then I went shopping with my mom that same day and we were walking around the mall. And I mean, I was trying to find some postpartum clothes. Nothing fit. Nothing fit properly. And I was trying on all these clothes. And my mom's like, yeah, you know, it's okay. You can get some new clothes that fit you. Because I just had worn gym shorts for like four straight months after having her. And I went into the parking lot and I just... I remember thinking, like, I don't even know who I am. Like, I'm just a shell of myself. Mm. This is not a person uh, that I am. And that was kind of the first day, I think, that I realized I needed to start making some changes. A lot of that was asking for support, asking for help, getting therapy, a lot of like what you were just talking about, right? Like just naming it. Hey, this is anxiety. This is not. And I had a similar experience to you where I went to the doctor and they said, oh, all moms feel this way. Yeah, I wondered if you had that too, because I share in the postpartum anxiety, but back then it was choose help or giving up breast and like getting a giving up breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or manage it. Many new mothers feel a sense of worry. I didn't know how bad it was until literally like a decade later. And I was like, whoa, that's t- mine was car like I couldn't be in a car with my daughter like I would be clinging to the edge like anywhere we went with her besides the home was so dangerous for me and so mm-hmm. I became a bit of a shell of myself and I think postpartum anxiety really can present itself in so many different ways did you find for yourself as a therapist it was weird knowing that you need help but then asking for it like how did you work through those feelings yeah, I think at first for me, so I was the first of all my friends and, and family to have a child. So the okay. first thing for me was wondering, like, is this just how it feels? So mm-hmm. I I knew like my therapist brain, when you're in the thick of postpartum like that, was not really activated and thinking through it as a therapist. I was just thinking through it from my own experience, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is just being a mom, to be always yeah. stressed about getting sick, to to feel like you can never sleep and never turn off your brain. But then as time went on and it kind of got to a point where it was unmanageable. Yeah. I I would just sob every single night thinking about bedtime coming. And a Mm -hmm. lot of my anxiety was around sleep. Yeah. uh, My daughter just, she was never a good sleeper as a baby. And so then I would dread the night and then I would look up all these. I think my science research brain would be like, oh, I got to look up all these, like how to make my kids sleep safely. But all of those things just didn't work for her, like on her back alone in a crib. And she's four weeks old. It just, she wanted to be with me. Yeah. So that I think was really, my anxiety was really around sleep. And so as a therapist, I couldn't see it right away until it got so bad to the point where, yeah, I just was walking around feeling like a shell of myself. I would struggle with really depressive and like thoughts of of harming myself and, mm-hmm. and not my baby, but just like really these like deep, dark weight, this dark cloud that I've never in my entire life to that point had felt. Yeah. And then I think that's when I knew, okay, this is this has got to be not normal. Like there's yeah. no way every mom walks around and feels this way. 
And then I, I talked to a doctor who wasn't mine, like my doctor was away and, mm-hmm. and they were super dismissive and I was very good at masking. I know you and I have talked about masking before. Yeah. I was very good at it. So I was very good at putting on makeup, put, doing my hair, going out. And I know so many moms now are very good at that. Yeah. Uh, so I looked good. And the doctor told me, you look great. If, if you were really anxious or depressed, you wouldn't look this good. And wow. I remember thinking to myself, oh, okay, well, well, maybe it is not as bad as I thought. But, and this is the advice I give to parents is like, keep asking. If you feel like you're not right, something's not right. You have to keep telling people until somebody believes you, you know yourself best. So yeah, all this to say, how did I get started? Well, I went through that whole journey and I ended up going to therapy. I ended up getting help. I ended up dealing with the trauma that was my pregnancy and the four months of bed rest and everything that came with that. And then I was like, holy crap, how are more people not talking about this? I spent four months looking at parenting pages on bed rest and I didn't see anybody talking about what it's like to go through parenthood and the struggles. And then on the, on the flip side, I didn't see anyone talking about parenting in the way that like I would teach it as a therapist. So I just, I started a blog and my husband, Scott, who you met, who's helping us with the tech stuff. He helped me since day one. He set up the blog. It was called Jessica Grace blog. And I just, it was terrible. And it's it always so, terrible. It's supposed it's to be terrible. terrible. I was yeah. terrified. I was like, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Who wants to hear me? And I would be nursing my baby and just start blogging about my experiences and stuff. And then Jessica Grace blog turned into Our Mama Village, yes. which grew really rapidly. And then, yeah, Our Mama Village turned into Nurtured First. So, I mean, similar to your experience, I started, I didn't start out to make a business out of it. I just started out as a way to express my thoughts and show parents that they weren't alone. And it's just grown, which has been incredible. Here's the thing. I love easy recipes that are under half an hour and five ingredients or less. This is why our weeknights have been just absolutely transformed, if I'm honest, because we've got the whole family on board with Pillsbury Crescent Rolls. All you need to do is fill, roll, and bake. And you can get as creative with this as possible. Simply roll your favorite ingredients into a crescent roll and bake. But if you don't have any creative ideas on your own, that's okay because there are so many reference recipes on Pillsbury.com like pepperoni pizza crescent rolls or chicken bacon ranch crescent rolls or one of our favorites in our house, ham and cheese crescent rolls, which we like to add a little bit of everything but the bagel spice on top. If you've never tried Pillsbury Crescent Rolls, you can find them in the dairy aisle. And it's dinner prep, like I said, in 30 minutes or less. And if you've got picky eaters in your house, I'm telling you, this is such a key. We have found that every single time that we've made them, the entire family gobbles them up and they're completely satisfied. This is a really great way to make those weeknights a lot easier on everyone. Having them simply in our fridge, it makes it so easy to even grab leftovers, anything that we have in the drawers or cupboards, put them together into a really incredible meal that everyone's actually excited about. I never see them have like the, oh, I have to eat this again. No, they're all sitting down like, oh my gosh, yes. It is the best feeling as a parent, knowing that you've put something in front of them that they love and that was easy for you too. So go check them out and find some more weeknight dinner recipes at pillsbury.com. Find those Pillsbury Crescent Rolls in the dairy aisle. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. I think what I really like about your content too is it sort of gives insight into a child's perspective too. You are a child Mm -hmm. therapist. What are some common things? Like you must know what posts of yours have been the most connecting for people or the most shared. Do you recall which ones those are and the the points that people were really connecting with your content? Mm -hmm. The posts that people love the most are also my favorite posts, which are the story posts. Mm. Post where I'll share with people a story of something that I've said to my child or something that my parents said to me when I was a kid, things like that. One post that really stands out to me and I think was probably one of our highest shared posts ever was a post where I shared that I was going to have my third baby. And a a friend told me what after I told them I was pregnant with my third baby, a friend looked at my second daughter and said to me, well, make sure that you don't treat her like a middle child. And yeah. And, but like it was out of their own experience of being a middle child and feeling really unseen and feeling like the older sibling had a lot of attention and the baby was the baby. And so I shared that a friend had said that to me and how that really stuck with me and how after we had her, like I really thought about that. Uh, And that was just, it exploded. And I think a lot of parents could really resonate with that having three or four or more kids. My middle child was the wild child. I always feel mm-hmm. like I'm apologizing to the other two because she commands every room <laughs> yes. ever. If you're a sign person, she's an Aries. Everyone knows Gemma by now. Gemma's like, she's she's commands it all. She's the perfect middle child. But she also, I always do wonder, like, she, I always felt like she was that way from the womb. Like, she just always, Maya was so, like, chill, relaxed, like, never wanted to get in trouble. And Gemma was like, I want to touch every hot surface you tell me not to touch (laughs) just to see how far I can go. Just how see how bad things are. She would test every water, every nerve, everything. And then Bowden came along and he was like, oh God, you seem like you're busy. I'll just be chill. And so we, (laughs) my middle child was always so commanding, but she still will bring up every opportunity of like a middle, like what it's to be the middle child. And I'll tell you last year, I took her on a birthday trip for her 15th birthday. And I realized this is the first time beyond little coffee dates here and there. It's the first time it's just been her and me because you're firstborn, you're automatically with them. And with my third, the older two were in school. I had so much time with him, but her, she never got just me. She always got a shared version. And that was the first time we got to go away, just us. And it does like, it's, it's so fascinating hearing that that's the post that, was so connecting for people because I'm sure there's so many different people with middle child experiences, whether the parent of one or the child in that situation. And I think there's this, there's this weird reality when it comes to being a parent where you expect that someday you're going to wake up and have every instinct in the world and you're going to know exactly what you're doing and when to do it. And that isn't always it. I remember thinking I was going to be a terrible mother because I didn't really have my sister loved babysitting. Like she loved being around kids. She just loved interacting with them. She was so natural at it. Everybody always talked about how natural she was with children. Mm -hmm. Then there was me. I gave birth and I was 21 and I let every nurse change every diaper because I did not want to admit to any of them that I did not know what I was doing. And I really Mm -hmm. threw myself into motherhood unknown. And it took me a long time to figure out that like, that's actually a pretty common experience. A lot of people don't know what they're doing. A lot of times our own parents who we think are the most brilliant parents didn't know what they were doing. I, My mom is 
as many know, Nana Kimmy. She is the culmination of Mother Goose and Martha Stewart put together. So I was always intimidated by having such a great mom. How do you live up to having such a great mom? Do you find a lot of people are really coming to your content because they're trying to figure out how to find themselves in a in something so huge and yet so unregulated, not unregulated, but like it's mm-hmm. it's so vast and full of information and judgment and critiques and difference of opinion, how they, how people can sort of find their confidence in being a parent. Because it really does take a level of confidence to activate decisions, to to implement new ways of doing something. Have you found a lot of parents are really to, coming to you as like a I need you to help me through this type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so much of what you're saying makes sense. There is a level. And when I talk about my experience as a first time parent, there's this level of confidence that maybe you don't have. Mm. And I think that's so true. It's the confidence of somebody who thinks that they'll never bring an iPad to a restaurant. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like all the things I said. I mean, when I had those four months of bed rest, I'm like looking up everything, right? How do I do things right? Yeah, well, I would never let her fall asleep with me because oh, that's bad. Like you're not supposed yeah. to do that. I would never, yeah, like let my child watch screens before they're two, like all of these things. And and there's these rules that we set in place for ourselves about parenting. And I think a lot of us do that where we're like, to be a good parent, you need to do these certain things. Mm. One of those things for me was my mom was always a stay-at-home mom. And that's like what she wanted to be. And she was incredible at it. She was yeah. an amazing mom. She was so present. She was always there, showed up for everything. But then for me entering into motherhood and being a stay-at-home mom for that year, because I had my first year of mat leave, mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think being a stay-at-home mom is for me. And that was one of the rules that I had to work through in my own head too, right? Of like, it's okay. To, you can be a good mom and still want to work and still want your career goals and stuff like that. So to answer your question, I think a lot of people do come to our page because they are lacking a confidence or Mm. they're trying to figure out a lot of people that come to our page are trying to figure out how do I parent when I didn't have that model? Like I think both you and I are lucky because we had these incredible models of human parents who struggled, but they always showed up for us and they made us feel safe and seen. But a lot of people who come to our page, they didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have a framework and... I think it's really impactful to share stories. I think that's why the story posts do so well, because that's, I think, how we learn is through storytelling and hearing others' experiences. And I think that's how those parents are like, okay, I can do something different. And I'm going to hear your stories and I'm going to see how you live out your life as a model and as an example for how I want to be with my kids. And that's what I really try and show more than just like rules, like do this, don't do that. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because... Not everybody knows or has an example of a great parent or caregiver in their world. So when they're thrown into parenthood, it might feel like you're set up for failure because you don't have that, you don't have that realm of understanding or or life experience to come from. And then there might be people like me who had a really incredible mom. And then you're like, how will I ever live up? Or what about the fact that I don't like parenting that way? I really struggled as a new mom, if I'm honest, in mom groups. I struggled because I felt so different from them. I was a lot younger. I felt constantly critiqued. I felt that even when I went to the first teachers, parent-teacher interviews, and there would be a teacher who you know, would probably be what would commonly be my kids' parents' age. And like, and and I was here, you know, 25 with three kids. And I always felt like I was being talked down to. So it just made me go like, I don't want to be a part of mom groups who tell me how bad, not how bad, I just felt judged. I I felt judged that I wasn't constantly doing crafts or constantly doing magical things that, you know, we just played in the backyard and went to the park and made lunch. And we just had like really normalish days. We didn't have a, we didn't have a second cars. So we didn't really go anywhere. And we did a lot of, sometimes my, when I did have a second or sorry, before we had a second car, I would have to time all my errands around my husband's job. So I would be, our activity for the day would be going to Target or going to Costco, RIP Target, but like going to these places with my kid. And you know what's so funny about that? To this day, my son for his like, well, we never ended up doing it for his 13th birthday, but because he chose something else. But for the longest time, he talked about for my 13th birthday, 
I would just want to go on a shopping trip with you to Target. And I was oh, like, God. isn't that so funny how for me, I was like, what a bad mom. You don't, you can never get them to go to like do these fun things and activities. We don't have the money to do that stuff. We're literally just going to Target and then going to the park. And yet those are some of his favorite parts of life. And that, and I grew up with, in a household where every single week of my childhood was themed. My mom was a daycare provider. We had routines, we had story times. And I felt a lot of shame that I wasn't this version of mom. And it's now I really love her as a grandma because she gets to be magical Nana Kimmy and I get to be mom and I don't have to be her version of what it is. I get to be my version of what it is. I get to, and I, my kids will never see me force myself into doing something that we're all not going to like, because it's not something that I would genuinely love to do as a parent. For instance, I never loved Play-Doh. To this day, I don't love Play-Doh. You know what I like? I'm with you there. Play-Doh I like real dough. Let's bake cookies. I always, if my kids are like Play-Doh, I'm like, they still play with it. They play with it all the time. But for me, I'm like, I will roll cookie dough with you all day long. So that's what I realized was cracking the code for myself. I, in my brain, it had to be something tangible that we were making. So we would learn to make muffins and bread and cookies. And we were constantly cooking. My son was like making Brussels sprouts on the stove by like age six, because we were doing stuff like this all the time. But I really struggled with the craft. And I think that it's interesting looking back and seeing how those tiny little things of just that a a personal preference in motherhood or a circumstantial thing in motherhood made me feel like I was somehow that made me a bad parent. And I see it all the time on social media. We see the moms who put together these really like cut out things and these lunches and they're all put together. And so many people get so upset because they wouldn't do things that way. Or it's made to be a joke that they're doing so much or their birthday parties are too extravagant or all. How do we, in your opinion, and from what you've like seen and navigated in the parenting space, how do we allow ourselves to be on our own path without judging others for what brings them joy or for what they like to do or the way that they do parenting, especially with the labels like free range parenting and and helicopter parenting. I've always called myself a survival parent. We just do what works. Mm -hmm. But what would you say is really good advice for people who are struggling with that confidence and also in a society that is constantly holding up comparisons of what a parent is? Absolutely. I feel like that's such a good question. I hear that all the time over on my page too, because like I'm very open and I always mm-hmm. say I am not the craft mom. I'm not the no. mom that's like making the sensory bins, but no. I respect that. And I love that for the moms who do that. But I know, I mean, literally if I were to try and make a craft, my child would probably make fun of me because yeah. it would be like, so terrible. You're not having fun. Yeah. This is not <laughs> fun for you. Therefore it's yeah. not fun for any of us. My daughters who are six and a half and three and a half are far more creative than me already. Yeah. So I think really for parents, it comes down to, again, like that word of confidence and trying to look at like, what do you value? And it's okay if that's different than the mom next door. Like some of my, one of my closest friends is the craft mom. Mm -hmm. When her son has his first day of school, she's the one she's putting whatever his name, the age, the school, all those things. She's making a custom sign, taking the pictures, all of those things. And I'm the mom who's like, okay, uh, do we have everything we need? It's like the day before. And I'm trying to figure out, (laughs) okay, do we have everything we need? Oh, we do. Okay, perfect. Oh yeah, we should probably take a picture. Like, But these two different moms, we have kids that are the same ages and we've approached so many things in parenting a little bit differently. But I think what makes us work as friends and as two moms is that we both know our values and we both know, hey, this is this is my friend Claire and I know she might listen, but I would say all this to her too. Like she's amazing. She's crafty. She does the Pinterest things. Like that's her. And that's great for Claire. And I think it's okay to say like that's amazing for her. And then what I do is different for me. And I think what it really comes down to is like the relationship we have with our kids. And Mm -hmm. at, at our core, both Claire and I, we value having this really connected relationship with our kids. So Claire might have a relationship with her kids that is developed and nurtured through crafts and through doing Pinterest things and activities. And for me, I developed this relationship with my kids through sitting down with them, having quality time. I love to ask them like all sorts of silly questions about their day. Like, 
if you could be a superhero, what would you be? What would your superpower be? Stuff like that. And we just, we simply just nurture the relationship with our kids in different ways. Mm. But we're both super moms. And uh, I think same for you, like the way you connect with your kids and bond with them might be different. Mm -hmm. But when you're sitting in a mom's group with all sorts of moms who have very strong opinions on things, like that can be really difficult. Yeah. And it can be, I find it so hard to when I was a stay-at-home mom for so long, going into being a working mom and then recognizing it took me a long time to put words to it. But there was this sense of when you're a mom and then you separate yourself from the space of motherhood or like where you feel like it happens, it brings a lot of guilt. You're like, oh, I'm stepping away from being a mom. And I remember I was on an airplane and I was heading on this work trip and I'm feeling all the guilt in the world. Like I've just stepped away from mm-hmm. my one true calling in life, which is to be a mother. I mean, I'm just being sarcastic because it's not. <laughs> but I, the plane landed and my phone lit up with like 20 different things. And weren't all of them, you know, I got to book a doctor's appointment for the kids. Mm-hmm. I got to sign a form online. I had to call one of them to talk through something. And I thought, oh my God, motherhood does not stay at the door. It is so agile. It's so everywhere. And the way we connect with our families and children is so individual because I would say there were times that I felt really bonded with them when I was a stay-at-home parent. And there's times now that I'm like, nothing could separate us because we will, my daughter and I will like FaceTime call, get ready with each other in the morning if we're not together. Like we talk, if I'm on a long ride home from, this past week, I was so tired. She knew I was tired. And she was like, I'll stay on the phone with you until you get home safe. And I thought, my God, are we, are we like at this place now? This is so cool. And here I was doubting myself that I'm pulled away from motherhood and therefore this equals that. And I'm like, wow, motherhood doesn't stay at the door. It is everywhere. And it's in so many different places. And it's in so many different ways. My own mother lived in Singapore for about a year. And all it meant was, uh, Nicole Brienne, who's been on my podcast before, I said this, where the, the contract changes a little bit. And our relationship changed. She was no longer a five-minute drive down the road. She was actually across the world. So we had to make adjustments. But it led me to a place of like, so much admiration and respect and excitement to watch her live her life beyond being a mother. And it really made me reflect back on, wow, it's actually really cool that as my kids have gotten older, I've gotten more opportunities to do more things and also change the contract of how this all works and yet remain in a close bond with them and a great relationship with them, even though it's no longer baking muffins on a Tuesday morning. And instead it's a FaceTime call at the end of the day talking about everything or, you know, whatever those things might be. I feel like we are stuck in a comparison trap, but also looking constantly for relatability and validity in how we parent. I'm so excited for Weston to be a sponsor of this podcast because they have so many incredible things that I didn't even know about, and now I get to share them with you. Weston has over 200 destinations around the world and help make it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. With signature offerings that help you move, eat, and sleep well, Weston Hotels make travel an opportunity to enhance your well-being or keep up on whatever routines that you want to keep up on. At Weston, you can work out the way you want. There's a variety of fitness options to keep your wellness routine going while you're away. Maintain your focus in Weston workout fitness studios equipped with state-of-the-art equipment or get moving on a group run led by Weston's Run Concierge, a running guide and buddy who makes it easy for you to explore the local areas. Wherever you are, you can run like a local. Weston's three and five mile scenic running maps make it easy to find your best route to explore on foot. Or you can do your own thing, which is my sort of personal preference. In your guest room with workout and recovery gear that's available on demand through Weston's gear lending program. You customize your workout while on the go with Hyperice and Bala products to borrow during your stay. And if you're like me and have different nutritional needs, their Weston chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind. Choose what's right for you based on your nutritional balance and make it easy to nourish your health no matter the destination. And of course, we have to talk about sleep. Recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed. Wind down naturally with Sleep Well Lavender Balm, which eases tensions and soothes the senses. 
At Westin Hotels, there's amenities and offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, and sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next stay at Westin. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. How do we get ourselves out of the trap of, like you kind of spoke to it a little bit, but when we're scrolling online, and we're struggling. And I and I have two different things about this because there's some people who do relatable parenting content to sort of help you feel seen and understood in some of the hardships. And then there's others that are very like escape mode where it's just picturesque and everything. And I'll be honest with you, I struggle with the hard relatable stuff because I find I oftentimes need the floaty, airy, dreamy yeah. side of parenting to make me go, God, look at them cute sleeping. Like, this is magical. It is so lovely having this. And you're right. Fingerprints aren't going to be on my walls forever. And like, it it helps me. And then on the other side, I find I will slip into these holes of like, oh my God, parenting is so hard. And it is so all-encompassing. We all respond differently to how people share their own parenting experiences. How do you feel that we should be navigating it in a way that we don't actually create a negative experience for ourselves in parenthood, because I know, I know those relatable parenting pages Mm -hmm. are so valuable. They're so valuable for so many people. And it's also okay that like, it doesn't work for me, but Mm -hmm. you've, you've been watching the parenting space for a long time. How do we get out of that comparison trap and also honoring how our own like capacity for things? I love this conversation. It's, When I started my page, another big reason that I started it is because everything that I would see in parenthood, and I agree sometimes that there's a place for this, but as a first time mom who's really struggling, I got deep into these really, these memes about parenthood. And I think these are the ones that you're talking about, right? Where it really is like the mommy wine culture. Like I need wine to make it stay and parenting is awful. And these kids are little terrors and toddler, terrible toddler years, like all of those things. And I think when you're already struggling and you see that you're like, there's, there's this, okay, oh, I'm not alone. So there's that feeling of not being alone. But then for me, when I was like in any time that I've really struggled in parenting, because of course that wasn't the only time I struggled with parenting is when I had postpartum anxiety and I start getting myself into reading these, it also leads me down a path of like, it is terrible and it is hard. And, and I think parents can really get kind of sucked into that mm-hmm. where then it's harder to get out because you're surrounded, you're surrounding yourself and all the things that you're reading is just confirming how hard and terrible it is. Yeah. And, and then when I started the page, I think there's also this flip side of it's glamorous and it's perfect. Yeah. And you only have 18 years with your kids, which I mean, we could go on a whole thing about that. Oh, for sure. I you feel know, it every parents- day as with a 17 year old who's probably yeah. going to college soon. I feel it yeah. every day. Right. There's this pressure. Then there's this pressure. Right? You only have these certain years. And I think then that can be really hard and just feel overwhelming too. like, what the heck am I supposed to enjoy every single moment of this? Yeah. Because I don't enjoy because I only I, have 18 my years of it. <laughs> yeah. And I have 18 years of enjoying like being like, I'm just thinking about last night, my toddler was awake and like hitting me in the face. And yeah, you know, like, there's just times when you're like, I don't enjoy this. And that's okay, too. So I think yeah. it's, it's really finding that balance between both, but then also realizing like for yourself, what is serving you and what's not. And mm. I think when I like personally reflected on myself, I was realizing that these memes that even though I thought they were funny, and I would share them with my husband, we'd have a little laugh, were actually pulling me deeper into like mm-hmm. this dark 
this overall darkness about motherhood. And actually, like, similar to like, I know how you said you, you've left everything up on your page because you've evolved and changed. Like, similar to me, like when I started my page, I shared a lot more of those kind of mm-hmm. things, like, because I thought that's like, maybe part of what parents needed to see. But over time, I've really evolved my content to talk about how, yes, parenthood is hard. And I think it's really important to say that and to acknowledge that and to not be ashamed to talk about things like postpartum anxiety or depression or weaning and all of these things. And also like there's this beautifulness that comes in this parent-child relationship and it's worth it. Like it's worth investing in the relationship with your children. And at the end of the day, like that's what it comes down to is, is having this relationship with your child that can withstand, like you're saying, when the contract changes, like mm-hmm. when you're working, like for me, this is the most I've worked in my close to seven years yeah. of parenting, but we have this foundation of this relationship. And I know that I am so solid with my kids. And when I'm with them, it's like, we have this time together and this bonding and this beautiful relationship that there was times when I was a stay at home mom, where I wasn't able to do that. Cause I was so tapped out and not, not feeding into these parts of myself that were really important too. So I don't know if that answers your question. But yeah, it does. So and I think unfair. it's I think it's such an ode to or just as you were talking, I was like, gosh, I literally went from a stay-at-home mom to a single mom with two jobs. And mm-hmm. that foundation really got us through that time. And it probably transitioned us well into the next parts too. And is really a glaring sign towards that like your parenthood is not based on time there's a this is somebody's quote not mine but parenthood is based on time spent uh, the relationship is not built on time spent but the relationship built right like we are not mm-hmm. good parents because you sit in the same room as them you're a good parent because how the relationship that you build with them and that can be over the minutes that you have in the day and how you choose to spend them, if you are somebody working multiple jobs and you only have so much of yourself because you're already working so hard just to provide to make sure they have a roof over their head or whether you're fully available to them. I was full-time stay-at-home mom and I can tell you that there are times now working that have made me more present with them than anything else. And I also find the language we have around things too, there's so much we wanna prepare people for And be honest about parenthood because there's such a, you come into it and you're like, ah, crap, like this is actually harder than I anticipated. And you don't want people to ever feel like it's just a cakewalk. However, it's so interesting when you have toddlers, I'm sure you've heard this, where like you go through like those tough days and people say, oh, but just wait till they're teenagers. Oh, yeah. That line, I'll tell you now with teenagers, followed me because I was like, why are we... Everyone is so terrified of teenagers. Now being a parent, I will fully tell you, teenagers are my favorite age. And it is not easy all the time. I'm not going to say that. It's actually pretty scary a lot of times. But it is genuinely my favorite age so far. But it has also opened my eyes to the world that sees teenagers as delinquents, as unwanted. They're not really wanted at the parks. They're not really wanted at the stores, not really wanted at the restaurants because they still haven't figured out how to regulate themselves. They're young. They're like in that window between childhood and adulthood and nobody is welcoming them on the other side. They seem like a societal annoyance, but I'll tell you, teenagers are such a gift. They are so much fun. I remember getting to the stage and being like, okay, is it just me or is this not as terrifying as everybody made it to be? Like, yes, it is challenging. Yes, it is terrifying. There's a way different things that you worry about when they're teenagers. But I wish I didn't spend 13 years waiting for it. Like it was doomsday. Like I was gonna, they were gonna turn 13 and turn their backs on me and never, never come back. I feel so, I wish more people talked about how lovely it could have been too. Like, yes, it, the teen years can be really challenging on you mentally and psychologically. I mean, they're out in the world a lot more, but there was no one saying, oh, wait till they're teens. It's going to be so great. And I remember I wrote a post about that because I was like, if we just change the tone of voice, you say the same words, but change Mm -hmm. the tone of voice from just wait till they're teens till to just wait till they're teens. And it makes it so beautiful. Goosebumps. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I feel like it's all about like my page is a lot about these younger years and it's building Mm -hmm. this foundation. And I think you have that with your teens, right? So 
as your kids got older, they knew I have this secure base in my mom and they're never afraid to like come to you because they know that you're safe and that they can trust you and that they can come to you. Yeah. And sometimes they tell me terrifying things and I'm like, I don't want to know that. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, I want to believe that you're all little (laughs) angels in this world. And now I have to find out you're not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's, that's the base that we build. And I think, I mean, it's the same for like toddlers. Like I remember people saying when my baby was, you know, a baby and just wait till she's a toddler Yeah, and she's a toddler. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, like I was really dreading this, but what a beautiful age. And I have a 17 month old now. And it's like, yeah, it's hard. No, it's hard, but it's so funny. It's never going to be this funny again. You have to remember that. They're never going to be like drunk little old people ever again. (laughs) They're so great as toddlers and they are so irrational as toddlers. We're literally going through a you cannot serve her a full banana. You have to slice it up into tiny slices because her father did that for her once. And if you don't do it, she's like, well, forget you then. Or if we want to leave the park, she'll just lay down on the ground. And I'm like, God, I love you. You're a boundary queen. Like toddlers are great. They have, they're so wonderful, but you're right. What do they call them? The terrible twos. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about the toddler stage and we're in my 17 month and my three and a half, which is like three and a half is my favorite. It's my favorite age. I love Mm. it so much. But you get to see their personality. Like they're this little baby and you're like, who are you going to be? I don't really know. And now with my littlest, it's just like, oh, this is who you are. You're chill. You're funny. You're yeah, you're like a drunk old man and you fall over all the time and get back up and think it's hilarious. Or if if we start laughing, then they start laughing and they push limits. And I Mm -hmm. think we we often want to shut that down and say, you know, that's not okay. We want to punish them. But I love to see my kids push limits, all Mm -hmm. three of them, because then I know you are willing to question. You're willing to ask questions. You're willing to push limits. You're willing to like just be your own person. And I love that. I love to see it. I think it's the coolest thing. I think that leads me into my last question for you, which is raising individual children, because this is a comment I get a lot that, wow, your kids are so different from each other and they're so individual. How do you encourage them to be themselves? And I was like, oh, wow, like I never really thought about it that much. But it's true because it kind of comes out when they're little, when they pass the baby stage and suddenly they're like that their own little person, like Gemma came, you know, she was, I swear she was like that from the womb, but they do really make themselves known. And then it's sort of, you can, I really thought I had it all figured out when I had my first and we had gotten our bedtime routines, the way that she liked to eat food. And I had this assumption that the second was going to come and just fit into that world. And she gave me a schooling on, no, no, you're going to parent me an entirely different way. And it made me like, whoa, I I literally have to not parent them different. I did have to parent them differently. Like I wasn't a different, not unfairly, but there was differences between the first and the second to the third and the fourth in terms of what they needed to be nurtured. How would you say in all of your years of as a child therapist, what are some of the greatest ways that we can really encourage them to be themselves and uniquely so, even when they are strong-willed, which trust me, if you have a strong-willed kid, they'll be a great teenager. That's what I feel. But a more confident teenager has been my experience. But how do we really encourage that individualism and not comparing them to each other because they are individuals? Yeah, I think first off, you just, you nailed it right there, not comparing them to each other and seeing Mm. them all as unique kids. I think sometimes we feel bad. We're like, oh, I'm parenting one kid differently than another, but like, that's okay. Yeah. You're meeting different needs. Yeah. You're meeting different needs. And to know that our kids come into this world and yes, our nurture makes a big difference, but they also come into this world with their own unique temperaments and personalities and getting to know who they are, I think is one of the best things that we can do. So for example, my oldest daughter, she has a very kind of soft personality. She is so gentle and loving and similar to you. like Very firstborn. Yeah. She's a very firstborn. I'm a firstborn. I get her. I'm like, you are me. Like when she talks about how she was, like things that happen at school and the way she responds to friends and and she she gets a lot of worries. I'm like, oh man, I just see myself so much in you. And then my second board comes and I can resonate so much with your story. And she's a firecracker. And she's very sensitive and everything she feels very, very deeply. She's a lot like my husband. Uh, And 
in so many good ways, but like discovering who she was and discovering, okay, so you feel the world in a different way. When something happens, you feel it big and you need to express it big. And I think one of the biggest and best things we ever did for her was to say, we have to do some things different with you. You you need things different than your sister. Like you need breaks. You need us to say, this is overstimulating. You need a break. You need us to like validate not only validate your emotion, but validate like how deeply you feel this to be Mm -hmm. true. And my oldest daughter, she needs different things. She struggles with worries. And so I think seeing your kids each as unique individuals and then really just trying to be curious and understand like, what do they need from me as their parent, as a unique individual? I think that's the best thing that we can do. And I think for our kids, how powerful that is to think my parent wants to understand me. Yeah. And whether or not we get it, I'm sure with yeah. your middle child too, right? It's not like you right away understand. Yeah. I think with my middle child, it took me a long time to be like, okay, I get you. I understand what you need. And then when I did, I felt our relationship shift because mm-hmm. I could understand her tantrums. I could understand what she needed. And as a strong-willed kid, it was just different. And now that I'm seeing her as she's getting older, I can see those personality traits come out. And so that's what I would say to parents is just see each of your kids and try and understand like what makes them unique, what makes them different, and then spend time with them and those things that they individually love and enjoy. And you'll mm. see their personalities come out. And it's, it, it is so beautiful. It is. And it almost flips on itself too. My toddlers that were so easygoing and very people pleasing are the ones that I've had to instill a little bit more confidence in to sort of get mm-hmm. after life and and execute decisions. And that strong-willed toddler who would take no for an answer, she's still that way. But then as she's gotten older, that's lended herself to really activate some incredible opportunities in her life because she pushes to understand, she pushes to get the things that she wants, and she doesn't really back down. So those things that they have when they're little, it's so fascinating to see what it creates in them as they grow up, as their as their empathy grows, as the parts of themselves that worry can even grow. It's everything, right? And so it's the same as how I felt when I was little, where I was like, I don't know how I make sense in this family. I don't really shut up. And now mm-hmm. <laughs> I see our family and I go, no, this makes sense. Like, I, I like that we have these like great relationships and we bring certain parts out of each other. We weren't meant to be carbon copies of each other. We were meant to have Mm -hmm. our own individual roles in the family and as people and creating those boundaries and understanding around each other, even when, or even when we don't understand each other, knowing that supporting each other is like sometimes more important than getting it right. Like there's even watching the siblings, they don't always get each other. Oftentimes they don't get each other but we still support each other. And we'll also, in our house, we like, we brag on everybody. We're all the time. We got to stay on your toes. We love to just like have fun and never be too, be serious when we need to be serious, but never take life too, too seriously. Really like try and have the best fun with it. And I feel like it's been really fun watching their humor come alive that way. And really how they Even that, like even watching how witty they can be and when they're allowed to make a joke, watching that sort of come alive in them. It's it's honestly such a beautiful opportunity to, like I said, even when you don't always understand being able to be supporting and and figure out how to gently guide them through the next steps of life. Because the reality is we're not, even though, yeah, there's that thread of the 18 years together. There's also the reality of you only have so long where you're in the passenger seat of this life and you're doing your best to sort of make sure that they understand your love and support for them and figuring out how to go through life together, but also apart. And it's like such a beautiful, really is such a beautiful thing throughout all the challenges, throughout all of it, no matter what side you really need to be validated on. It's it's everything and it's all. It has to be, right? It can't always be. I mean, there's a reason that they're so cute. Puppies and babies are cute for a reason because they are <laughs> challenging and they are sometimes without boundaries. And they're really cute when they're sleeping for a very perfect reason. It like resets our brain a little bit when you see your kids sleeping because you're like, oh, I can do this again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I always say to people when they're sleeping, whether they're teenagers or babies, it's like, look at their littleness and just be mm-hmm. remember, just remember that they are little and, and they do need you. And they look at you to like, as that guiding light and that source. And, and then as they get older, like, I think your oldest is graduating this year. Is she? Yeah. She graduates old? this year. I know wow. she's graduating high school. It's That's literally awesome. wild. 
Yeah. And you'll still be that like guiding light for her. Cause you've done that. You've done that work. You've built that relationship. You have mm-hmm. fun together. Like you can just tell that you truly enjoy your kids. And so as they yeah. go off into the world, then you can feel more secure as a parent too. Just knowing I have this relationship they can always fall back on. And of course they're going to make mistakes and, and probably tell you about it, but yeah. <laughs> It's the same way. I mean, my parents, there's been so many times in my life that I've done things that they did not understand, but they showed up and support me every, even getting married at 19. They, they supported me every single decision and were there for me when I fell apart doors open. Right. Like, and I think that that's, I think a lot, a lot of times we think that the path is trying to create a clear one for our kids. And the reality is it's just being there for them, no matter what happens when it's clear. And when it's full of rocks, like, are we there? And I think that that's, that's what mattered. I was in a really, really important meeting once and I was in the middle of LA and my phone rang and I, and I answered it and it was my daughter. And she just kept being like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to bother you in the middle of your meeting. And I'm like, there is nothing more important in the world than you just tell me what you need. And and I'll go back to the meeting. And that was that. And you know what? It set the tone for everybody in that meeting that day to know what my priorities were and I'm really proud of that moment. And it also showed my daughter that it didn't matter where I was in the world, she's my number one. And so we get so many opportunities in life to show how we care. And ultimately, raising these really unique humans is such a unique experience, each to our own, and on social media, and the way that we respond to things, and the things that make us feel good or seen or inspired uh, whatever it might be. I personally love your page. It really has, especially as I've stepped back into having a yes. little, it's been really validating and really nice because I think a lot of people thought, you know, going into having a fourth kid, I must be like a seasoned vet. I felt so shaken back into reality of like, I don't actually, it was like learning to drive again. I had no idea. So many things are like when I was experiencing anxiety or how do I get them to sleep or, oh my gosh, they're cluster feeding or how do I wean? It was like everything floods back to you all at once. Cause I think our brains really do delete a lot of information just as a reproduction tactic to keep us having babies. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so I really do appreciate your page, but I'd love for people to sort of, if you're not one of the 1.3 million people following Nurtured First, where can everyone sort of like plug in and find you and where's the best to sort of like get started? Absolutely. Yeah. If you want to come find me, I'm Nurtured First on Instagram, Facebook, but Instagram, my stories and my feed, that's where I'm hanging out most of the time. We also have an awesome blog. If anyone has struggles with their kid behavior, sleep, body safety, anything like that, we have incredible blog posts as well. It's a great resource for parents. But definitely, if I mean, if you want to see me every day, I'm similar to you. I'm on my stories literally every day for like the yeah. last six years. Continue to be on there. That's where I love to connect with people. So definitely come check us out there. And thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I just have loved connecting. I feel like we've connected for like the last six years. So it's been awesome to actually like the chance to talk. And I just admire you as a mom and as a business owner and entrepreneur so much. So thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's been so refreshing. And I feel like it's been really nice to talk about things. I don't think we've ever talked about postpartum anxiety here on the show or just sort of what it is to sort of be your own type of parent or raising individual kids. I think that there's so much that we talked about today that I really hope people can take away from it and feel a little bit more confident in the way that they're doing things because they're an expert in their own world. They're an expert on their Mm -hmm. own experiences. And then there's people like you that can kind of come along and be like, these are some really great things as well. And here's some great takeaways and how you can create an even a richer, nurtured relationship with these kids that really builds that foundation into everything else, no matter how much time you have and no matter what job you're doing. We're all just doing the best we can. And I think that that is, that's always my favorite thing is like telling everyone you're like doing a dang good job. And like, I just say it confidently because I just know almost every mom and caregiver is like at home thinking that they're failing and really just doing it all and doing it so much better than they realize. So I appreciate this because I hope it's going to be a nice little boost of confidence for anybody who's in the ring of parenthood because it can be really unstabling sometimes and unstabilizing sometimes to really feel like you can't kind of get your grounding and just having each other and being able to talk about it is so, so key. So for everyone listening, I'm going to have in the show notes for you where to find Jess and Nurtured First. Definitely check out her page. It's a really, really, really great resource and a very validating experience and just like, just helpful. Like honestly, just an encouraging little helpful 
motherhood place, especially in the mix of everything else that's going on online. It's a very nice space. So thanks just so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. I've really appreciated my time. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.